Habarigani. Imani. Habarigani. So my name is Suzette Celeste, and I'm one of the practitioners here at Heart and Soul. And I just wanted to provide a brief history of Kwanzaa before we start our celebration today. So, um, and today's response, so Habarigani is what's the news? What's the word? And Amani. Amani is our response today, which is faith. Kwanzaa was created in 1966 by Dr. Malana Karenga, and it was created as a one way of uniting and uh, celebrating and empowering the African-American community in the aftermath of the Watts Rebellion uh, that was in 1965. Uh, the celebration of Kwanzaa, it's also a way to reaffirm our commitment to self, to family, and community. Kwanzaa also means, or means, um, first fruits in Swahili. Each family celebrates Kwanzaa in our own way, and we often celebrate in song, uh, dance, African drums, storytelling, poetry, and reading. And it's celebrated for seven days, starting December the 26th through January the 1st. And today, January 1st, is our last day of Kwanzaa. Many people uh, of African descent in the USA and uh, Canada especially uh, celebrate Kwanzaa. There are seven principles of Kwanzaa, and we'll go through those in our celebration uh, today. And these principles are the Nguza Saba, and they're represented on the altar with seven candles. And each of the candles represents a specific principle. And the candles are um, three different colors, um, black, red, and green, and black, are people of African descent, which we know is all of us. Uh, red is the blood that's been shed um, through the history of this country and that continues, and green is the land. Um, Kwanzaa is a cultural celebration, and it's not considered a religious holiday. And the symbols on the altar are there, um, and we could even bring up the video on that if we choose, yes, the slides. Um, there are the seven candles, which are the Mashuma uh, Saba, and again, that represents the seven principles. The candle holder, which is the Kanara, the Unity Cup, which is the Kikombe Ch Cha Umoja. Uh, there's the Makeda, which is the, the mat, the crops, the Mazao, and the Mazao often 
are symbolized by how many children are in the family and gifts, the zawadi. And often there are many more uh, symbols on the altar, such as the books, which are knowledge, and the plant, which is growth. And finally today, um, just as part of the introduction, we'll close with seven collective uh, harambes together. So we'll do that in person, as well as wherever you are in the world, uh, streaming. And harambe is a means we'll all pull together in Swahili. So we can get started. Hello, family. My name is Amelia Blake. I'm discussing the first principle of Kwanzaa, Umoja. Umoja means unity or oneness. The way that I activate this principle in my life is through the practice of meditation. Through meditation, it's a reminder of our connection with the one, with the divine source that exists within each and every one of us. Through that practice, through that art of stillness and reminder, I often find that it's easier to then create unity within the family, within our community, and within the greater world. My wish for everyone would be to know this divine unity of the trueness of their connection to source, the one that unifies us all. Happy Kwanzaa. My name is Felicia Williams Cozy. Habari Ghani, Kuji Chagulia, means self-determination. To name ourselves, define ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. When I first learned of this principle of Kwanzaa, I was actually quite astonished at the thought that I could be the one to define and determine who I am in the world. After so many years of being told by others who I could be, who I should be, what my limitations were, to have a thought that I could be the one to not only speak up for myself, but to really decide who I am here to be and how I want to express myself in the world. This principle along with my engagement of spirit has led me to look inward for the answers that I used to look out into the world for and to stand for myself, as myself, in a way that I never had before. It's a lifelong journey, not a single destination, but this principle of self-determination engages me in a way that allows for greater creativity, greater expansion in spirit, and greater living into my unique purpose. Kujichagulia, self-determination. Abadigani, Ujima, 
The third principle of Kwanzaa, on the third day, you light the green candle. Ujima means collective work and responsibility. My name is Kiki, and I embody this principle year-round because I work collectively in my community, which includes heart and soul, and my family collective work and responsibility. Ujima. Hi, I'm Angela Fisher, and my Kwanzaa principle is Ujima'a, Cooperative Economics. I live this principle by making it a point to support local businesses, and I'm part of a collective group of people that makes it also a point to support Black-owned businesses in our community. Thank you. Greetings, family. My name is Valerie Joy Fidmont. And the Kwanzaa principle that I have the honor of sharing today is Nia, purpose, to make our collective vocation the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to our traditional greatness. I do my best to practice this principle in my daily living because I believe that it is imperative for our evolution as a people and for our planet. The building and developing of our community can't happen unless we work together and I will endeavor to do my part for the rest of my life. Abaragani. My name is Sheila Smith, and I am the co-lead of the Prayer and Care Village here at Heart and Soul Center of Light. The sixth principle of Kwanzaa is Kuumba, creativity, to do as much as we can in any way that we can to leave our community more beautiful and more beneficial than we have inherited it. The way in which this principle lives within me is through my unwavering commitment to use my talent and to use my voice to educate, enlighten, empower, and transform my community. Thank you so much. Good morning, heart and soul. I'm Damali Robertson. I'm a member of the Board of Trustees and, <laughs> and um, a practitioner studies student. So, Habaragani, heart and soul. I'm going to share a short story about today's principle, which is Imani, or faith. <sighs> Back in the day, I saw faith as the evidence of God's goodness when good things happened. Let me give you a couple examples. When my children were born healthy, I just knew this was evidence of my faith in God's goodness. I'd prayed. I'd asked God for them to be healthy. They were. Check. <laughs> when I was able to buy a house of my own, 
I could point to another way my faith had created miracles in my life. I'd prayed, really, pleaded. I wanted to give my children roots, a place to grow up. And when it happened, I gave credit to my faith. I bought the house. Check. For years, this was my relationship with faith. Now, here's where I have a bit of a confession. I have taken just about every class that Heart and Soul has offered. And unbeknownst to me, this put me on the path to practitioner studies. <laughs> and through all these classes and practitioner studies, my relationship to faith and God have shifted. I've realized that faith is not a bargaining chip. It isn't me deciding that I have faith today uh, so that I can get what I asked and pleaded for tomorrow. I've realized that God is truly at the center of all things, that it doesn't support me to put a value judgment of good or bad on God. Let me give you another example. About six months into practitioner studies, I shared a story with my cohort about my grandmother's faith. My grandma Dorothy, she was my father's mother. Grandma Dorothy's life was an adventure in faith. She had her fourth child when she was 50. She was the wife of a minister, which in a lot of ways made her a first lady, but I digress. Her youngest son passed away in a car accident when he was only 21. And then her husband passed away about a year later. Some say when my uncle passed away, my grandfather's heart was broken. I can't know that for sure, but what I do know for sure is that my grandmother's faith never wavered. In the years after my uncle and grandfather passed away, she continued to pray without ceasing. She continued to give all glory to God. She continued to meet every perceived setback and challenge with prayer and an inner knowing that God remained with her even as she stood in the valley. She embodied grace and generosity in ways that I had rarely seen in the world around me. So when I shared this story in practitioner studies, I had no idea that my father would pass away just a few months later. When my father transitioned in February 2022, in the midst of my grief, I remember my grandmother's unwavering faith as she had bid farewell to her son and husband. And I knew it was my turn to live a life of faith that wasn't contingent upon getting everything I told God I wanted. That God's love isn't a place for me to bargain. Instead, I knew it was my turn to trust God's plan for my life and for my father's life, knowing with complete faith that there is some universal plan at work that is always loving and life-giving and kind. I stand here today on this final day of Kwanzaa, celebrating Imani as an embodied life principle, knowing that every moment and every experience in my life is God at work, and knowing that the faith that walks with me on this journey is about trusting God, trusting life, and trusting myself. May your life be filled with faith today and always. Thank you, heart and soul.
So, so in closing, we just want to collectively, um, together, um, say seven Harambe's, which means, ah, oh, we may stand. <laughs> Thank you. Let's stand and say seven Harambe's together, that we're pulling together. Harambe! 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 Joy. Habaragani. Yeah, it's about faith always, of all of the principles. Faith is so foundational. It, part of me is reluctant to single it out as the foundation, but you can see that absent faith, not to be confused with belief, but similar I don't know how any of us get to faith without first honing our sense of belief, our sense of, of trusting enough to believe in ourselves and anyone else, certainly in the divine, in God, in the living one, the strong one, whatever that would be. This is our opportunity. I am so loving the way today is unfolding for us. It's our very first service of the year because some of us kind of believe, have, have grew up with this idea that the way you start the, the, the year is the way the year can unfold. Now, let me, let me say, you know, I'm going to fork my tongue here because let's just say that that's absolutely true and so we're setting something in motion. But if that were true, that would mean that we did not have free will. However you started the, the year would be just how the year would unfold. But at any point, we have an opportunity to choose again. So the beautiful thing is that we're choosing right now. The beautiful thing is that we're setting something in motion. We have an idea. Now, there's a part of me, I am so grateful for the way that we began our service today with our Kwanzaa celebration and the music and just all of the folks. I thought that that thank you slide wasn't up there nearly long enough so that y'all could give true appreciation for all that was poured into this. But for this service, there's a part of me that feels like we ought to just have a photo of Damali. And every now and then that, thing, that, would, that would come, that <laughs> we'd flash on that. <laughs> and that would be the unfolding of the message. You understand what I'm saying? That I would just like point at that. And you go, oh, yeah. And then I'd say a little more and then I'd point at that again. You go, oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So the picture isn't there, but we are honing our imagination. Yes. I hate that in, the, in the, the slide deck that I, well, I don't hate it. I feel like it's a little misopportunity. I don't want to overspeak it, that I didn't include that slide that reminds us about our ability, our capacity to see, to hear, to sense, to feel, and to use our imagination because that's what's required. So we have now officially launched 2023. Last night, we celebrated New Year's Eve, and some of us did 
some work with letting go of 2020. Blessing it. Not just tossing it to the side, kicking it to the curb, but blessing it, giving thanks, and then releasing it. Because we cannot take 2022 into 2023. If so, you're not living 2023. You're not living in the infinite possibility. And every year, what unfolds for us, <clears throat> pardon me, is an opportunity. An opportunity for us to see ourselves more clearly. To see ourselves in an expanded capacity. To know something more about the divinity that we are. So this year, looky here. This year, we are still on an adventure in faith. I know none of y'all are. I, I warned you, yes. I predicted that we would continue on an adventure in faith. Why? Because we's really on an adventure in faith. For real. But look, this year, we are introducing our 2023 theme, which is trusting divine guidance. Why? Because we got to. Because we got to. It is time for us to consciously and intentionally set our course as one in which we are trusting divine guidance. I love that our ecclesiastical team, Reverend Jack and Reverend Angelo and, and I, chose this after... I remember that day that we were just working it out and what would it be and choosing the, the daily read as well and this notion of trusting divine guidance. My knees kind of feel get a little weak with this. Just, there's this sense of if we were to set our compass, so to speak, set our, set our GPS, y'all would understand that a little better, set our intention very clearly to trust, to live this year. Don't worry about the next year. We've let go of last year. So all we have is this now opportunity. And we're setting an, in, an intention to trust divine guidance. I mean, that's grown folk stuff. This is don't require new underwear. Y'all know what I'm saying. Because this is going to require that you really step up. Trusting divine guidance. There's a sense of deference. This is where I'd point to Damali. And, and what I'm aware of, you know, it, at heart and soul, we are, we, <laughs> we're forever baking baklava. Now, I'm somebody who doesn't happen to like baklava, but it works metaphorically. <laughs> because if you've ever, you don't have to eat it to notice the little thin layers. And so we're forever layering metaphor and principle and intentions and divine ideas. We're, we're mixing it up all the time, just layering it. So this sense that we are trusting divine guidance has embedded in it our willingness to let go. 
to let go of our own idea. And I know best. It's this sense of deference, isn't it? It's okay. S some part of this is that you got to know something. So go on with your knowing. Just don't live your life with that as the absolute. Does, does it make sense? So this is not saying that, that you just pretend like you don't know anything. You are knowing in the context of the knower. You are knowing in your divine availability, av availability to the knower. Yes. So with that in mind, our book for this year, our 2023 daily read, is Dr. Dan Morgan's Guidance for a Spiritual Journey. It just seemed to fit. So it has a reading for every day of the year. And what I want you to know about Dr. Dan, who is an ancestor now, he was the founder and senior minister of Guidance Church of Religious Science. And um, he grew a stable of, out of which Dr. Michael Beckwith, Nirvana Gale, Reverend Amon, and some other folks um, were trained by Dr. Dan, heavyweights. Yeah, I'm working on my vocabulary this year. So look, for his, for January 1st, it's entitled Born Anew. And Dr. Dan writes, our lives are rooted in the invisible, not the visible, not in the external, not in the superficial, not in the outer. It's only when we become totally and completely lost in the power of truth, love, and wisdom. Then an M dash, he not done. I kind of, I had to reread this a few times because that sounded pretty complete at first. But then he says that that's truth, life, love, and joy. So not until we're completely lost in all of that can we really lay claim to being born anew. You know, some of us just been born anew all the time, just whenever it crosses our mind. But he's saying there's more to it than that. So as we are standing in this first day of the year with this, this kind of impetus to be born anew, to begin again, if you will, he's saying that we've got to launch out into the deep. He says we must expand the borders of our tents. He says we've got to recognize at some point or another that in order to move forward on balance, we have to bring our whole weight with us. And that whole weight comes with us only through being born anew. Now, to me, this, this dovetails beautifully with our, you know, we've been working on our 600-pound life. We've been working, first of all, on acknowledging that we're dragging around the 600 pounds of all the stuff we our guilt, our shame. And you know, shame by itself weighs 600 pounds. 
Because shame is not just regret or a sense of guilt. Shame, when we feel shame, we have judged ourselves as unworthy to be. Shame is an attack on our sense of self. So it's not just garden variety, I wish I hadn't done that. When we feel shame, we are, we are eroding the very sense of who we are and who we are willing to acknowledge ourselves as being. So where Dr. Dan is saying we have to bring our whole weight with us, he's not talking about dragging that 600 pounds. He's singing, bring the, your authentic self. So our work is we've been letting go, we've been acknowledging that we're dragging around much more than we need. It may have served its purpose. It probably got our attention in a way that the that 200 pounds would not have. Some of y'all understand what I'm saying here. And so we can bless it. So it's not all regret. How did I let myself get? Mm -mm. However that happened, we're going to bless it. And we're letting it go. Yes. In a way, he's giving us the language now to be born anew. To not drag that around. To not feel like, remember the axiom? You make your bed, you must lie in it. Oh, we're turning that over. We're canceling that out. Big old circle with a slash through it. We buy a new bed. We're not scared of that bed. What? We made the bed, and then we look back, we're like, I ain't getting in that bed. <laughs> this is an awakening, isn't it? But some of us grew up where you just like, oh, okay, let me get in that bed. Just, you just suffer. And somebody would say, well, why do you keep getting in it? <laughs> and you're like, well, I have to, don't I? Okay, come on, be heart and soul. Do I have to get in the bed just because I made it? You can put that bed on eBay. <laughs> Somebody would love that bed because often the folks who are like, why wouldn't you get in it? You'd be like, would you like to have the bed? Be like, yes, come get the bed. Because as for me and my house, we're not getting in that bed. We are being born anew. We're choosing in a new way. We're choosing in a new way, from a new place, with a new understanding. Yes. Oh, so then he goes on to say, see, he wasn't done. Yep, we're going to need tutors with this book. We're going to set up little after-school tutoring sessions for, to read Dr. Dan. I see it now. So he goes on to say, being born anew is being, not becoming. This being born anew is not a thing that's going to happen to you. He's calling us into the being this right now. Now, you don't have to see, this is why we are trusting divine guidance. I'm speaking to the people who right now are thinking, now how am I going to do that? You're trusting divine guidance, remember? So you're not looking for answers about how you're going to do it outside of yourself. You are trusting and knowing that this thing, this being born again, is a being, not a becoming. It's present, it's not future. 
It is, I love this, possession, not expectancy. He's saying you had it all the time. You sought, as in seek, and ye shall find, and you found it. It's just that you're still looking. You don't believe you got it. He says, and all the while we come into a sure realization that all power in heaven and earth, remember, we first of all must see, feel, sense, imagine a new heaven, and thus demonstrate, manifest, experience a new earth. So he's saying that all power in heaven, in this vision, and in its manifestation has been given unto us. You already got that. Damali. Oh, y'all already forgot. I'm going to need a new congregation. Y'all already forgot. He says we need to plant our feet firmly in the recognition of the presence of life, truth, and love where we are right now. There's not, we're not talking about a hereafter. We're not talking about next time. We're doing the best we can in this moment. And then a week from now, when we are like, Lord, was that me last week? Yes, and you were doing the best you could last week. But that won't do for right now. See, my real tribe can follow me. Yes? This, this being born anew for us, heart and soul, this trusting divine guidance is revealed. And see, I love that our focus is on oneness. Can you see the baklava? Can you see how we're layering this thing right here? Yes. And the idea is that no matter where we go, we're in the right place. No matter where we look, no matter which Sunday or Wednesday or what class you take, it's all developed in a way to support you in being born anew. Which is really a point of awareness. It's not a real thing that's happening. You're not going to have to go nowhere. We're not going to need a pool of water. You're not going to have to dress in white. Now, all of that could be fine, but none of that is required in order for this to be so for you. Do you understand the difference? So you can do a whole ceremony of your being born anew. But if you don't do a ceremony for being born anew, you can still be born anew. But doing a ritual, and a, I mean, it can all work. But I want to be clear, none is required because it's all an inside job. Yes? Yes. He says to be born anew in this hour, in this moment, in any moment, we have to accept that we are no longer going to impute to things power they do not possess. And I'm going at people, places. Things, people, and places. This is where we, we attribute more power 
like they can, like, like some uh, legislative system can keep you from. The, what, I'm, I'm going to point it here for Damali, here for Mother Harriet. And do you understand that that's code, don't you? Mother Harriet is code for I'm free no matter what you think I am. It's code for there are no laws that supersede my inner awareness that I am already free. And this is important. We're not mad at folks who don't get it. For the people who, if there's somebody in your life who doesn't know they're free and they have a whole system and way of thinking that holds them in another space, you being born anew, you are right with that now. Because that's not for you. What often looks very different about at the core of what we believe and endeavor to practice and what we often see in the world is if you believe that somebody must give others salvation, then you're going to feel like folks need to be fixed. It will require that somebody save them. We don't believe that. In the collective, we believe there's nothing to save. <laughs> Child of the divine? The all in all happening right here? God is, I am? What's the fix for you? Now you're on the inside of you, so you know you got some work to do. And we know you got work to do because you're still here. But we don't know your work, and your work is not our responsibility. We're not here to tell you what your work is. We're not here to save you because there's nothing to save you from. No saving required. He says heaven is a state of mind. And we, look here, and we determine our entrance and our presence there, meaning heaven, based purely upon whether we can accept our help, our health, our hope, and our joy. That's our work right there. That's our work, discerning and clearing the way so that we can accept and recognize help. Y'all know the story about the, and you, we've been in the flood almost yesterday. My house thought it was in the flood anyhow. Y'all know the little story about the person who's praying to be rescued. And, the, you know, there's the stages. Somebody comes and come go with us. We go, mm-mm, God's got me. God's got me. And then the next mode of transportation shows up. And then finally the boat. And, and ultimately, all that waiting was all it was, was just waiting. And so the story, you know, for our benefit is told that now the individual is face-to-face -face with God, with the divine, and has a question. Like, why you didn't come? And me, anthropomorphizing God, I'm like, you know, God got to look. Like, what you talking about? 
you mean I didn't come? That's what I do. My whole rep is about me coming. That's my brand. What you mean I didn't come? Well, I was waiting. And <laughs> son, <laughs> daughter, <laughs> I sent every possible exit opportunity for you. And you know, I didn't stop telling that story, and now I'm talking to you. Every possible solution presented for you. Sometimes we don't recognize our help, though. That's part of our work, but that's okay. There's no shame. Hear me now. If you have not developed the acuity for recognizing help, that's something you got to work on. If you, do you see what I'm saying? Yes. If you have not yet, if you're not an adept, if you can't recognize that that person is there to support you, that that situation is happening to get your attention, that that refusal, that denial is in support of your expansion, if you cannot yet recognize it, that's okay, you got time. But make sure some of your time is dedicated to learning how to recognize your help, your good, your support. Because it often comes, it looks disguised to us. It never comes with a name tag that says, I'm here to help. <laughs> never. It looks like probably getting fired. Looks like being threatened with eviction. Looks like a done notice. But you want to be adept at recognizing what it really is. Yes? Ooh, this, ooh. Okay, so look. Look at here. Um, oh, Lord. Okay. Um, tell you what we're going to do. Um, just, no, I don't, um, hmm. yeah, let's. So Ernest Holmes, in a particular writing where he's talking about faith, there are a couple of scriptures that he has included here. The first is Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Y'all could have said it with me, but we're not understanding what that means. And we can tell by our lives. That's how we know. We know we have memorized it or it just kind of flows up our, off our tongue, but we're not living from it. As we are choosing to be born anew, we can begin to live in it as this. Look, Ernest Holmes says, faith is a mental attitude so inwardly embodied that the mind can no longer deny it. What? So deeply ingrained that my monkey mind, who knows all kind of tricks, tricks y'all don't know nothing about, even that cannot supersede this awareness. Oh, Ernest Holmes, you better tell them something this morning. 
he says, faith is so complete, faith is complete when it is both a conscious and subjective acceptance. Faith may be consciously generated, demolished. In spiritual terminology, faith means a belief in the presence of an invisible principle and law which directly and specifically responds to us. But then he turned it out for me because then he quotes Mark 5 and 34. And if you know or recall Mark 5 and 34, you know this is the place where a crowd, the throngs, because you know part of any story about the master teacher Yeshua that the world ultimately came to call Jesus includes the throngs gathering, trying to get close, trying to get the word, trying to what? Be born anew. Yes? So in this particular in in instance, there the throngs around him. And there's a woman who has been to physicians, scripture says uh, in certain translations, about 12 years, just an issue of bleeding. And the physicians did not know, well, you know, if somebody's been dealing with something for 12 years, you know. And in this case, it's acknowledged that she's been to physicians. And so often when you talk to people who've had that experience, they have felt abused. Their experience has been one of scientific medical abuse because they go and they get nothing, nothing that helps. And maybe they don't even get callbacks because they don't know what to do. So they take the test and they do the thing and they say, we'll be in touch, but then they don't know what to do and they're not in touch. So they go through the things. And so I'm imagining that sister has been through that. But sister comes to this gathering where the master teacher is and just says, oh, I don't have to get up in there. I don't, got, I don't have to talk to him. I don't need a meeting. I'm not going to require an appointment. If I can just touch the hem. Now, I don't have the time right now, but you know we're not really talking about his clothing is special and so if I can just get my hands on that special cloth, this ain't that. This is being in the energetic field. If I can be in the energetic field and connect with it, that's the touch. Because everybody was, you see, the throngs were there. She got just close enough to reach in and make contact. But I need you. See, that part is less important than what it takes for one to know that. To leave home not needing an appointment, not needing a photo, not needing a book signed. But if I can just get up in there. I can be born. And so she touches. See, she comes with faith. She comes in faith. 
She comes knowing that this is going to happen if I can just. I don't have to disturb anything that's going on here. If I can just, if I can just get in there enough and in shown up, she touches the hem of the garment. Now my sense is that the hem of the garment is not giving us a tailor's description. It is telling you it's a way of saying barely got to touch it. The hem of the garment. I think the sleeve would have been, see, we would have had a different sense. The sleeve touched the collar. Touched, but the hem of the garment. You know, if you had the hem of the garment, you just barely, you almost didn't get the garment. You, does this make sense? And she about to go on, she's just like, okay. Whew. And then the master teacher, though, see, this is why. But first of all, I got to tell you, Scripture begins with a certain woman. And I told you. I already told you that any time it's a certain, certain man, certain woman, it requires a certain consciousness. It's a certain makeup. This couldn't happen to just anybody. You got to come with an awareness. Yes. All right. So she has touched just the hem of the garment. She didn't barely made contact. But the master teacher said, well, hold it. What? What? There's an energy shift here. I felt it, and the, the disciples, the, the support, you know, the, they like, Master, there's so many people around here. <laughs> no telling. Because he's like, the master teacher is saying, who touched me? And they're like, no telling. <laughs> no, and he's like, mm -mm, that's not what I'm talking about. See, there was a certain energy. Now, he had a certain energy, but there's no way to have the level of faith that she brought and have that not be an energetic center. The trained eye could see her coming. Y'all have been in the presence of folks. You went in elementary school. You knew then that one was going to do something. And it wasn't because they were standing there saying, I'm going to do something. Their presence told you that that one was going to be. Now, whether they ever got to be or not is not the point. It's that you, too, have been reading energy most of your life. The problem is not very accurately. But this is a story about energy. So she brought a certain energetic field which connected with a certain energetic field, and there was no way for the two of them not to have an exchange. But none of this is physical. We don't even, yeah, yeah, look at here. And we know this because the, as the master teacher has asked, so who touched me? Who touched my garment? Who touched my energetic field? Not who pulled on my robe? Who connected with my energetic field? The disciples don't even understand the question. But the sister, it was me. 
I was the one. You, you, you see, what had happened was that for 12 years, I, for this is, and I knew that if I could just, and the master teacher says, by your faith, that energy right there, <laughs> that energy that you brought up in here, that knowing, that faith that Damali was talking about, that Imani represents for us as a part of the Nguzo Saba. That's what makes you whole. So see, you're whole before you ever get to the physician. You're whole before you get to the clinic. You're whole, but you got to know it. You got to know it. Oh, so apparently this is going to have two parts. And I'm just going to, I think I'm going to just declare that this is, look, in order for us to, to do what we're intending to accomplish in 2023, which is to be born anew, if there's any saving, to save ourselves. You, you understand what I'm saying? To transform ourselves so completely in the direction, see, this is where I fork my tongue. Because it is in, quote, saving ourselves that humanity is saved. It's in changing our minds, in changing our behaviors. in transforming the way we think, the way we communicate, the way we connect, the way we fill in the blank. So look, when I saw this, I thought, oh, this is for us. This is set up specifically for us. And that's that Science of Mind magazine, a monthly publication of decades, been around decades. Well, I've written for them for a decade myself. So I'm trying to think, uh, at least from the, I don't remember when it first was published, but whenever it was, it's a good idea. So look, here's an opportunity. They are offering this special so that it's $2.50 per issue. Now the benefit of this, and this is why I brought it, because I thought, oh my goodness, this makes it very affordable. So in, in addition to our daily read with Dr. Dan, the Science of Mind magazine, in addition to the various articles, it also has daily reads. He, can can y'all see what I'm up to? The more you can dip the fabric in the dye, the more saturated it becomes. Now, you could alternately, you, or another alternative could be that you could just binge watch something on Netflix. I man, There's some stuff to binge watch. You could just, you don't even have to watch it. You could just veg out. Or you can be born anew. <laughs> 
and you can have something. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have your Netflix and your who, and it doesn't mean you, but it means you have set aside some time to focus your attention and transform your thinking. So, there's the magazine. You can order it on uh, at www.scienceofmind.com slash subscribe. And that's a nice deal. And, well, I have a column in there, too. So you get the column, you get the whatever's in it is what you get. <laughs> but look, the idea right now is, or the question, are we ready for our new life to begin? That's the question. Now, it's not a forced choice. I seldom ask questions where I am trying to manipulate your response. If I ask you a question, I really want your answer. So you may not know right now. Some of us, though, have, to, have arrived at this very moment ready for our new life to begin. And I want to close as I move into our closing prayer that Dr. Dan, in this first reading for today, Born Anew, he quotes Thomas Troward as saying, if we would have life enter into us, we are our, we ourselves must enter into life, enter into the spirit of it, just as we must enter into the spirit of a book or a game to enjoy it. He's saying, get all in. And I encourage you to do that with heart and soul as well. Dr. Dan offers us this closing affirmation. Today I remember that one simply cannot afford to worry about anything under any kind of condition whatsoever. I know the truth. I commence this day by declaring, I am, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, I am divinely guided, am divinely guided. to put the necessary emphasis in my life <coughs> On the good, affirmative, and worthwhile things. Now is the appointed time for me to feel the divine guidance in me, helping me, directing me every day in my body. Mind and soul. Oh, how good and very good it is to know this truth, to declare it together, to imbue it, to take it in, to, to eat it, as Scripture says, to make it a part of who we are and how we are that transforms our awareness of whose we are. Oh, I am so grateful for this first day of the year. Fresh, new, and unused. 
available for each and every one of us to form it into the launching pad that is perfect for our individual life experience. Oh, I'm grateful for everyone's participation, for Suzette Celeste who facilitated our explanation and introduction and overview of Kwanzaa and the altar. And for each of the individuals who gave voice to each one of the seven principles. I especially lift up Damali, who gave us a beautiful personal share about faith. Her faith, our faith. Oh, I'm so very grateful for all the hands and hearts who poured into today's service. Grateful, I lift up Paul Daniels, the songwriter for I'm Ready, who just gifted that, prepared that for heart and soul. Oh, I'm just giving thanks. Giving thanks for the way it all has come together. This is this is this safe place, this cocoon out of which each and every one of us can choose to be born anew. Oh, it is with divine anticipation and expectation that I look forward to being born anew myself, that I look forward to seeing the new birth the new manifestation, the new heaven, the new earth. Oh, I know and I know that I know that something quite magnificent is unfolding in this very moment. That there's a shift and a change, an opportunity for shift and change and divine transformation. And for this too, I am grateful. Grateful for the presence of health and well-being grateful for the healing of relationships, grateful for prosperity and abundance of all things good, grateful for the opportunity for each of us to contribute our creative self-expression, grateful for the way that life is unfolding in this very moment, grateful for the way that we are all coming together. Grateful for those gathered right now, for the divine energetic that we are, and for the way that this is blessing the planet even now. Oh, I just give thanks. It is an absolute perfect gratitude that I simply release this word into the perfect activity of law, that I accept it as so, that I know that it's done, that I know and I know that I know that this word cannot possibly return to me void. Can't possibly. I know that my word has power because it's true. And the truth is powerful and transformative. And so I simply let it be sealing this for all eternity by saying Ashe. Amen. And so it is. 
And so we complete <clears throat> our Sunday service and our Kwanzaa celebration. And we know that we know that love matters. <laughs> Love.